Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. So I'm going to start recording here and let me know when you guys are ready and, um, and then we'll, we'll jump into it. You're good. All right. Okay. Here we go. What's up guys. Welcome back to clear the cash. I'm your host, Nate list. You can find me on Twitter at an outrage Jew. And of course I have Jesse Bach here. You can find him on Twitter at planet underscore fatness and back with us again, uh, again, one of the most educated uh, in our circle and, and probably, uh, you know, uh, widely on Twitter. If you guys would hit this guy up, he could probably answer questions to shit that you had no idea a certain human being would possibly know. That's Ethan Motts. You can find him on Twitter at Ethan Motts. Guys, we haven't recorded together for, boy, I don't know. Has it been a, a couple months now? It's yeah, it's it's a been a, it's been at least uh, summer sound, right? Man, there was no summer, Jesse. There hasn't been a summer, so I don't remember (laughs) the summer that you claim. But I know it's been a while, but we always talk about we have to get Ethan on the show. Ethan and I, we do another podcast, whether some of you guys may have heard it or not, called Flip the Cash. Um, You can find it on Patreon, or I've been posting it on my other network, which I will put a link to in the description for people that want to hear it. But again, Jesse, very clearly ultra sharp, very dedicated to this, this craft, this hobby. Ethan, very much from the same cut of cloth. So we love having you on the show, Ethan. So thanks for coming on. Guys, I, I, hey, I look, man, I'm so happy thanks you're on here. And I'm happy you're going to be here for this moment. You see, because like six weeks ago, eight weeks ago, Jesse and I came on this very podcast and we told the listeners of this show, there is no safer floor. There is no safer purchase at quarterback than Russell Wilson. In fact, we claim that Kyler Murray's ceiling might actually be Russell Wilson. Now, Ethan, I definitely want your take on this, but Jesse, I have to start with you. Are we are, are we going to print a retraction on page five of the newspaper tomorrow, or are we standing by our statement that Russell Wilson is still one of the safest floors with a ton of upside? Listen, I... I am. I've been a Kyler fan since Oklahoma, um, since since Baker Mayfield left and he was given the reins. And Kyler still has a long way to go to match Russ. So I'm not. I'm not saying that Kyler's prices aren't justified now, but there's a reason that we had that take on Russ when we did. Um, we're we've hit a little bump in the road, maybe the first bump in the road in Russell Wilson's career. And if people are overreacting this way over a three-week span, um, they probably shouldn't be uh, uh, investing in cards. Listen, Ethan, 
So this is over the past couple weeks. So Russell Wilson has the injury, misses the first games of his career uh, to this point through his entire career, finally missed a game a couple weeks back, has a surgery, comes back. Since then, we look at the Seattle team. Russell Wilson, his offense put up zero points for the first time in his career, had three consecutive, now four consecutive losses for the first time in his career. It's his first losing season in his career, is it time to panic on Russell Wilson? Nah, come on. It's a three-game sample. I mean, let's be real. Look at what happened with Jamar Chase in uh, training camp. Everybody overreacted to the drops. They're like, oh, is this guy going to make it in the NFL? And he came out and torched the NFL. Look at Jonathan Taylor last year, right? So you can draw parallels there, you know, in, in similar scenarios. But that's, you know, those guys are young, they're rookies. So, you know, you might have a different argument there. But with a guy like Russell Wilson, he's been crushing for 10 years almost, right? We have such a long track record of him being fantastic from an efficiency perspective. And, you know, like the saying goes, you know, uh, if you win, what do you win? And when we're talking about uh, Russ here, I think, you know, if you invest from, uh, you know, like an investment standpoint, if you hold out on Russ through this little dip you're going to win long term at the end and you're going to win big because he's going to be an all-time great right so you know I, i'm not concerned at all i think it's a bit of a, a silly overreaction um and it's just something that people kind of look back and say oops shouldn't have done that look i don't feel like jesse and i were blowing sunshine up anyone's ass when we were comparing russell wilson's trajectory to that of drew Brees or these other top tier quarterbacks and i know you guys remember Remember the narrative about Patrick Mahomes about five weeks ago where he had a three-game stretch where we watched his completion percentage dive well below 60%. He was throwing interceptions like crazy. He looked off of his game. That's kind of what we're seeing with Russell Wilson, but at least with Russell Wilson, we can hinge it on the fact that he missed a bunch of games. He's coming off of surgery. This offense has looked totally out of sync at points anyways. I think we can agree about that in Seattle, but here's the real question. Russell Wilson, consummate professional. Tom Brady gets vocal. Aaron Rodgers gets vocal. All these quarterbacks in the league get vocal, especially when they're not playing well or their offense is letting them down. Russell Wilson just keeps his head down. It, it, you almost see him emotionless. But the other night, I, I saw a player that honestly to me looked like the most just dead inside that he has since he got to Seattle. It, literally, it looked like his enthusiasm was being sucked out of him. So I put a poll on Twitter and I basically said, let's try this again because I believe I had posted this poll before, but I don't know if I did. So I just did that in the event that somebody goes, hey, you already did this once before. So I said, how confident are you that Russell Wilson will be a Seahawk week one of the 2022 season? 83.5% of people say not even a little. So here's a question for you, Jesse. In the event that Russell Wilson isn't a Seahawk, does that change his trajectory whatsoever for you? Um, elaborate on that a little bit more. Are you talking about his cards or are you talking about his legacy? Let, uh, either way, I mean, our, our, I would feel like the two are somewhat tied together in a lot of ways, but let's say that he gets traded this offseason. Let's say that Pete gets let go, they dump the OC, they trade Russell Wilson and Wagner, they're going and looking for picks, and let's say he ends up somewhere else. Let's say he goes to the New York Jets. I have no idea. What would that do to Russell Wilson long-term, and would that change your opinion of still staying the course? I don't think so because, uh, Nate, I don't, you, you said we compared him to Drew Brees on that episode, and I don't—I I mean, I remember, I remember Brees coming up in the conversation, 
but the 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 lofty goal that basically the higher end of the range of outcomes was Peyton Manning. And I'm seeing another parallel here with Peyton Manning with what Peyton Manning did in Indianapolis, then going to Denver and finally winning a Super Bowl in Denver. What did what did him winning a Super Bowl in Denver? Did that hurt his legacy? Did that hurt potentially his card prices? No, he won a second Super Bowl. It doesn't matter if he did it with the second team or not. So I think with with if right. we see something like that in Russ, there, there's no way that that can hurt his legacy or his market. That was beautiful, man. That, that was like some Michael Chang shit right back over the net. Ethan, <laughs> feel free. Have at it. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree, right? Look, let, let's say he does leave Seattle in that, you know, uh, Fred Flintstone era offense that they're running over there. Let's look at the ceiling. Let's go to, you know, Denver. Pick that as an option. You have Sutton, you have Judy. That's yep. a fantastic team overall, right? I mean, draw that parallel again to Peyton Manning, you know, same scenario. Let's say he goes there, wins two more Super Bowls, right? Because that team, I think, is built in a way to win a couple more, you know, Super Bowls here with the quarterback. That's the last missing piece. So, yeah, how in the world could you not want that player? Let's say he goes to even Carolina. You know, they do have some strong pieces on defense. They've been beefing it up. You know, the quarterback's really, again, been the one missing piece there. You know, there's so many options. Let's say he ends up in Pittsburgh somehow with that core of receivers, they upgrade that offensive line. I mean, come on. That how much juicier of a scenario do you want in any of those, you know, different cities and different teams that he can go to? Let's say he does stay with Seattle and they just have a complete overhaul. Again, this is the floor from whatever we're we're seeing right now, right? So the ceiling has to be higher. Objectively has to be higher. So how do you not want something that's almost as close to 100% guaranteed to go up from here? I agree. I think whether he stays in Seattle, I I think in all seriousness, if he stays in Seattle, Pete Carroll's gone. There's not a chance that Pete Carroll stays around because I think at this point, Russell Wilson's like, it's him or me. And I think Russell Wilson wants that LeBron James, let me make decisions. He already has been vocal about it. Like, let me help pick the next head coach. I want to be involved in the OC. I want to gear this offense to me. And I could see that being the reason he stays in Seattle because I I truly believe that the person that we see and we hear about with Russell Wilson isn't false. I believe that this is the human being, that he is this special of an individual, and I think he genuinely wants to stay here. And you could argue that Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf, in their playing at their best, are as good as any two other receivers in the whole league, right? So this Everett emergence at tight end, everything all together is beautiful. What sucks is... The Jets are now sitting on the number four pick in the draft next year. So that's going to hurt a little bit right there. But I agree with you both. I love the idea of the Peyton Manning turnaround when the Colts were basically done with him during the surgeries and things like that. And he revamps his career. He did win a Super Bowl in Denver with the help of Brock Osweiler. You got We have to admit that, right? Without Brock <laughs> Osweiler, I don't know if he wins that title. But okay, so both you guys agree if, if people are looking to get in on Russell Wilson— Stay the course, whether it's Seattle, whether it's elsewhere. Great quarterbacks are going to continue to play great. But does this little lull perhaps create a a little avenue in the card world to go look at some of his options? Very much so. Um, So we we might we might be uh, fast forwarding here a little bit, but um, there are a couple of very, very juicy buy opportunities for somebody like Russ right now. So. I took a look at some of his. Um, yeah, we don't even have to go crazy. We don't have to go. We don't have to look at Prism Golds, Topps Chrome Gold Refractors, uh, Black One of Ones. We don't have to go. 
we don't have to go that expensive that rare we could even go base like okay all right now it's not a it's not a base market it's not a silver market but 2012 prism is a little bit different than many other years of base and silver prism because 2012 as as many of us know was the first year of prism um it's always going to be iconic uh, an iconic set and it's always going to be um well respected by collectors so i took a look at a couple of of uh russell wilson 2012 prism bases so the main base that came out of the 2012 prism set is the um the towel the i believe it's the towel down uh picture it's that that basically he's throwing the ball and the towel that's on his side is is down the short printed uh version of the base is the towel up it's far far more scarce than the towel down so I was looking at the the 2012 Prism base Russell Wilson towel down PSA 10. It has a pop of 500. Um, in the preseason, that card was going for almost 1,300 dollars. I just checked the last sale the last sale price last night as I was doing research for the show. It went for 585 dollars. That's a 54 percent drop from the from the preseason. Then. Uh, I looked at the 2012 Prism Base Russell Wilson PSA 10 towel up uh, short print short print uh, design. That pop that card has a pop 53. It's 10 times more rare than the towel down. But it, either way, both both cards are insane. If you can if you have the financial means to get a towel up or even find one at auction on eBay, I would definitely pay attention to it. The peak preseason sale of that card in August of 2021 was three thousand dollars. That card sold on November 29th for $1,269. That's a drop of almost 60%. And this card does not come up very often at all. And we're talking about 60%, a 60% drop and a 54% drop over a four-week sample size. Um, I don't think that there are going to be many better times to buy Russ than right now, honestly. Mm. I, I mean, the analysis clearly states that people are fearful. I mean, the people are panic selling. It sounds like potentially taking losses. Um, there shouldn't be, again, there shouldn't be a concern. Like he's going to come out, but you know, probably next week or the week after and probably bomb on people once again. And we're going to be like, oh, okay, it's there again. DK Metcalf is going to start to be targeted again. Tyler Lockett is going to you know, continue to eat like he has. So I'm not concerned. Ethan's not concerned. You're not concerned. With that being said, though, Jesse, you put a post in here from the Card Talk pod, and there was an interaction that took place that I want you to describe to the listeners so that they truly understand what the explanation behind this was. So there must have been a comment on social media, um, I believe on Instagram, from somebody. Uh, somebody probably commented on a PSA post, and they were cons expressing their concern about Oh, what's going on? We're not, you know, we're not getting answers. Uh, my cards are still there. Like, what's going on? And Nat Turner very sneakily uh, just, you know, comes out. He, he jumps off the top rope and he says, PSA regular submissions open back up in two weeks. And not many people have been talking about that. There were there, there were a couple of, uh, probably a couple shows ago. Um probably in October, we mentioned that um, on one of Ken Golden's lives that Nat Turner said that, oh, yeah, regular or a lower tier will open up this year. And Ken Golden said, are you sure? There's only like three months left in the year. 
And he said, yeah, yeah, I, I know what I said. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure. And uh, regular, regular pricing is going to open up in two weeks. I don't know what price that's actually going to come at. Regular pricing does not mean bulk either. So this is you submitting one, uh, as many cards as you want, but at a lower price tier and not, not on a level. So ideally, we would want them to be, uh, we would want the pricing to be less than $100 a card, uh, ideally less than $75 a card. If it would be $50 a card, um, I have some cards to submit. Um, and I, I should have I started this, this whole topic by saying that this comment and Nat Turner's response to this individual's comment was two weeks ago. And... So that means basically any time this week, all right, this this episode gets released any day now. By the time that this episode is released, say might be back open again with regular pricing, with regular with regular submissions. So just keep an eye out. Um, and be and please be very, as crazy as it was earlier this year. I don't think I don't think anybody wants that. So I think people, I, I, honestly, I think people have gotten much smarter about what they want to and don't want to grade and or maybe they can see now what's not grade worthy no no matter what kind of condition the card is in um but it's just something that you know not many people are talking about right now and i felt like uh we should you know we should we should at least be very aware even if psa hasn't publicly come out and said anything at least we have evidence from nat turner um that that there's uh that there's something on the horizon so, Ethan, here's a question for you, kind of on that same subject. When you're looking at the cards that you've purchased raw, and we're trying to figure out exactly what the cost per card is going to be here, how do you eventually decide like what cards you want to submit? Well, I think a lot of it first has to do with condition, right? You know, is it worth sending it all? And then once you make that distinction, then you start going into, I, I like to look at upside. So, you know, I don't mind necessarily paying, let's say like the 150 bucks right now for Express, right? If I can get it back within, you know, a couple of weeks and I can see a potential huge jump in price, I don't mind paying that premium to have it back and have it, you know, at my disposal at that time. Um, you know, if it's a card that I think that might be more of a slow burn from a player's perspective, then I'll hold off and I'm going to wait for regular pricing. But Usually, you know, like if I really want something quickly back because I know some players value will spike tremendously, then I'll pay that price. But otherwise, I don't really love doing that. Um, you know, I'll, I'll tend to either put it away for regular submission or, you know, worst case scenario, you can still make a profit selling raw. Obviously, it's a little risky. You know, you can have damage to cards from buyers, you know, all kinds of crazies out there. Uh, so you do run that risk as well, of course. But I, I like to look at upside, you know, with, with everything. Um, and if the card has massive upside and I need it back in a short amount of time, I'll pay that premium. Otherwise, I'll just move off and, and pivot to a later date or just selling it raw. Is that kind of the way you feel too, Jesse? For sure. Um, I There haven't been too many cards that I've been looking to express as of late just because, like, uh, guys, I'm going to be honest, like, pretty much I scoop up on eBay or my slabs or auction houses right now. It's like it's going right to the PC. Um, so... Uh, if anything, I've I've probably had to I've probably had to do more selling in like the last month or so just to make up for all my PC purchases. Um, but yeah, I totally agree with with Ethan's philosophy in terms of just being able to recognize the opportunity that you have in buying a raw card in good condition and maybe seeing what comps have sold for, like even seeing what a PSA for if a PSA nine sells for like three times the amount of your raw it's cool you can get a nine you can get you, you can you can buy that card raw 
hope for a nine. And if you, if you hit a 10, you knock it out of the park. So, um, that's on like, that's a great way to just like level up as efficiently as possible. So, and then Ethan, one more question, because a lot of the listeners of this show don't do much grading or have thought about it and don't really know how to leap in. We know that right now we constantly hear things about supply chain and businesses are struggling to find employees and, and, you know, handle the workloads that they have. With, with your experience with grading, has it still been pretty fluid? I mean, have they met the timelines that they said that they were going to meet? So most of the year, it was a mess. Um, you know, I had cards I submitted, you know, January, February, and it came back. You know, those cards were coming back in July, right? That should have been coming back in either you know, 15 business days or 25 business days. <laughs> Uh, you know, I'm no math wizard right now uh, or anything like that, but I know that's more than 25 business days. Um, so it, it was pretty brutal. Once they cut off, you know, a lot of those submissions and shut down at PSA, for example, that's uh, made things a lot better from them being able to clean the backlog up. They started with all the highest price cards first, right? Moving from, you know, walk through Super Express and moving down tiers. And then, you know, once they cleared through a lot of those and kind of made a lot of headway on the you know the regular junk cards whatever you want to call them bulk submission you know cheaper cards uh then these turnaround times recently have been actually pretty fantastic you know sometimes i've submitted with express you know those are the 15 day turnarounds and they've come back in a week which is what you would expect from a super express right so um you know psa has done a very very good good job um you know cleaning up that turnaround time and even the shipping you know they do a great job with uh, you know doing the two-day shipping there as well so from my experience with psa it was miserable to start the year but nat turner's done a great job with turning that around this year that's awesome man it's great to hear it's good for the hobby too now jesse you're you're concerned about a log jam about people just submitting whatever it is that they have and this whole thing starting all over again and you brought to my attention that Ken Golden is going to be a part of a new reality TV show on Netflix, which very much could cause the exact same result anyways. Tell us about this show that you had you had thrown on the show sheet. This reality series on Netflix is going to um, basically follow, uh, I guess, the, the Golden, um, you know, auction house and their day-to-day operations and, you know, following the types of cards that they get submitted for consignment, for auction, um, even, even expensive ass cards that you will never see in 20, 30 years that are, that are getting brokered that they're Ken, Ken Golden and his company are literally, they have possession of these cards just to broker a deal. Like they don't even want to leave it up to an auction because these cards are that expensive. Um, so this is, uh, I can't think of much of a better way to introduce the hobby to the general public. Listen, we had COVID. COVID was like, the hobby was going to explode anyway, um, but COVID definitely provided a very nice stimulus to the trajectory, to the trajectory that the cart, that like the market and the hobby was already heading towards. It just made it, it just kind of quick in the process. Um, I can't think of many better uh, avenues of bringing in more people and more eyeballs to cards than a Netflix series because, like I said pre-show, people got interested in chess after watching Queen's Gambit. People have done research on uh, uh, what, like lions and tigers and whatever after Tiger King. 
So these very like these very um, these kinds of, you know, avenues that the average Joe usually won't do research on or look into or Google after watching an episode like or just in, in general without this show. Um, people are all of a sudden interested in these in these topics and these in these subjects. So um, in, in terms of like how is this going to impact the market, uh, like the the lower end, the higher end market? It's I mean it's tough to say. I think it's somewhere like uh, not everybody is coming in here with deep pockets, and um, people are probably going to be looking to make a quick buck on maybe some prism bases and prism silvers of whoever. Um, and basketball or football or whichever sport. Um, and, but it's, it's gonna, it's gonna only continue to boost the high end market because there are, Ken Golden is a very powerful man who knows a lot of very, very wealthy people and very wealthy celebrities and, and athletes who are looking to invest their money wisely. And, uh, th there have been plenty of athletes already that have partaken. He won't say who. Um, but who have already partaken in some auctions that Ken Golden has run. So this is only going to bring more eyes to potential investors and collectors. And it's it's maybe short of COVID, this is probably the next best thing that people who are investing in cards right now might want to see happen. Ethan, man, I, I see you nodding along. Like you, you agree with a lot of what he's saying right now. Jump, Jump right in, man. Yeah, dude, here's the thing. This confluence of factors, so the pandemic, the propensity of people getting on social media, sharing things, things going viral so easily these days. I mean, you look at things becoming cult classics over the silliest thing, right? Maybe they find somebody in a documentary that looks ridiculous or had a funny interaction or did something silly, right? And people latch onto that. They post memes about it. They make videos about it, you know, and it becomes iconic. And with the prevalence of everybody being, you know, at, you know, at home or less kind of uh, able to go out and do things, right? The focus has really shifted to entertainment in, in various different forms. So, you know, it could be uh, TV shows, right? It could be movies. It could be a lot of this stuff, and people crave this. So, the second, you know, somebody, anybody famous, is seen on this documentary, right? Let's say Michael Jordan, right? He's iconic. Let's say there's an interaction there that becomes very popular. Somebody posted on Twitter, Twitter, a big personality, a big figure. That's all it takes. You know, like the Joker said in The Dark Knight, sometimes all it takes is a little push. This is the little push, right, that can turn something crazy, insane, right? So for that reason, I think this could be such an injection into the hobby. And like, like Jesse said, right, you're going to have those folks that take it overboard. They're going to try to go crazy with whether it be flipping, grading cards, and those people I think will fizzle out. But overall, I do think it raises not just the ceiling of these ultra high-end cards, but in cards in general, really, but even you know some of these cards that you're starting to see right now kind of dip, they'll pick back up into where they were before, but even higher floors, I think, too, because now all of a sudden, you know, even cards like a base or like a silver prison PSA 10, right? Let's say like a Lamar or Josh Allen, some of these more recent ones, those cards are going to reach even higher levels, right? Because relative to base and relative to other junk, they're going to have so much more value and popularity and people are going to want those cards, right? So naturally the demand, you know, for those cards and, you know, supply is going to stay relatively the same. You might have some more, you know, show up on the pop report, stuff like that. But if that demand increases, I mean, it's just going to be a huge boost everywhere. It's going to be, 
uh, you know, beneficial for both lower end, high, mid, you know, high end, all kinds of cards. So all it takes is that little flame to go, you know, bananas, and all of a sudden you have ridiculous uh, aftermath, of, you know, from the show. Ethan, I think that was what you just said about um, the amount of people that are going to be injected into the hobby. I think that was the perfect way of phrasing what this show is going to do, what this show can potentially do to the card market. Um, I think even with with COVID, with with Gary V, um, with people having all kinds of free time at home, I still don't think this stuff is not mainstream. This is what this is one thing that can help turn it mainstream. It's like it's the impact of this can be that big. So I I don't want to underestimate this. And the thing too with this that I think is kind of interesting to look at is sneakers, right? Let's use sneakers as as an example. Super popular, but I think it's a less investable commodity, if you will. You know, from from my perspective sure could you make great returns on it if you're looking to get into it absolutely but i think at this point with cards you know once we start getting that popularity and becomes mainstream people are now going to look at it truly like let's say a market of its own kind of like the crypto market stock market stock market and the the tendency for people like with sneakers is not going to be as high you know highly transacted they're not going to have that same kind of market dynamic i think so with cards you have a, a ridiculous ceiling if this comes to fruition, you start to see that truly act as a market in a mainstream fashion with so many eyes and, and attention on it, right? Yeah, and you see Ken Golden interacting with the family and you know younger members of that family, and I think I think viewers are going to see that too and realize like this hobby is more than just expensive cards. Which, by the way, I have family members all the time that go, "Oh my God, did you hear about that Gretzky or that LeBron card that sold for X amount of dollars?" And I think that's what's also going to bring in a wide range of viewers is these people that that are like glued to the TV at this $2.7 million transaction that's going to take place that he's going to broker or this auction. And it's, it's going to be this mix of all these different things. But at the root of it, you're going to see this community of people that collect cards that are really great. And sort of through the lens of Ken Golden's experience, which is a very high-end, extravagant way to do it, but at the same time, it's like watching MTV Cribs when you're looking at these expensive cards and you're going through like a really nice house and you're like, holy shit, he's got a laundry chute and a fucking car elevator and they're going to be showing you fancy cards. And like Ethan said, who knows? I don't know what guests are going to be on this show, right? There's so many athletes out there. And once you see how much deeper, yeah, the depth of it is, right? Like when we get... When he brings in his resources and we get to see athletes and actors, you know, celebrities, like you said, and they're getting involved, I think that's what's also going to infuse it. And maybe this sort of kickstarts, you know, for people like me with, with my daughter, that nostalgia of when I was a kid 30 plus years ago, maybe this is going to kick off that new era as we usher in fanatics and some other things in the future. So I think that there's a lot of excitement around this and I, I'd be worried, Jesse. I think, I think the log jam's coming, buddy. I think, I think you're getting log jam part two. So here's a question for you. I, I kind of, I kind of led you down the Russell Wilson uh, path a little soon, uh, but I'm like, look, we got to We got to get all the Russell Wilson fodder out. Now we have to talk about it, but I want to ask you, football is all the rave right now. Seahawks suck. Other teams are playing great. But when we're talking about purchasing football product, 
cards, whatever it may be. When when's the best time to be doing that? Yeah, this I thought this was a very interesting topic, especially hint hint with the timing uh, that's coming up right now. Because Ethan and I were were talking about this last night, and we were talking about you know what what sports make sense if you're looking to make money, what sports make sense to buy right now. And truth be told, like uh, in my mind, for whatever reason, immediately went to football because uh, last year. Around it seemed like around this time last year, all of a sudden, you know, prices were kind of cooling off. Even for guys that were in MVP conversations, uh, prices were cooling off. So I wanted to um, dig a little bit deeper into some of the numbers of some very relevant. Uh, obviously, we're talking ultra modern cards because you know we're talking about current players right now. So I took a look at um, a couple of uh, uh, just three cards, just as an example of. Um, how prices were in the 2020 season, preseason, during the season, and postseason. So the three players I decided to look at were Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, and Kyler Murray. Um, and I looked at each of their rookie Prism Silver PSA 10s. For uh, Mahomes' rookie Silver uh, Prism uh, PSA 10, the bottom... Uh, Basically, the the bottom price during the 2020 season sneaked below five thousand dollars for that card, um, which is about like a forty to fifty percent drop of what that card was selling in August of 2020. Um, that that bottom sale occurred uh, in early November of 2020, and the next peak was during the week of the Super Bowl. So you could have bought this card for under five grand and sold it for sixteen thousand dollars in three months. Um, and even in the postseason. All right, so let's say you don't want to sell during the week of the Super Bowl. You think Mahomes is going to win one. You think he's going to win his second in a row, and the card's going to go up even more. Like you want to sell it the day after. Someone's going to pay like I don't know. You're thinking someone's going to pay twenty grand for. It. Okay, whatever. The Mahomes lost. The card dips a little bit. You could still even hold on for another couple of months because that card sold again in April for twelve thousand five hundred dollars so that you're still two and a half xing your money if you even if you bought around five grand the second card was the 2018 prism silver lamar jackson psa 10 what's crazy about this card and this is kind of i don't know i've probably mentioned this as a play before but 2018 prism silvers have a ridiculously low psa 10 pop count like ridiculous like i'm talking whereas uh, 20, especially compared to 2016 and 2017, Panini did a whole, they, they did a 180 in 2018 because 2016 and 2017, there was no prism base set. It was just prism silvers. So in 2018, they, they must've made the, the, the base to silver ratio must've been 10 to one, if not more, because Lamar Jackson's prism silver PSA 10 pop count is 24. That's nothing. Even compared to Mahomes, where his pop count is like approaching a thousand right now, Lamar Jackson's is twenty-four. The peak sale in pre in the preseason of, of uh, twenty twenty was it, this is ridiculous over sixteen thousand dollars, sixteen grand for this card. Um, the bottom sale occurred during the season in December, mid December for forty-seven fifty. That's a pretty big drop from sixteen grand. But then even if you bought around that time in December, like November to December, you could have sold in leading up to the preseason, like leading up to actual preseason football in July, and you still could have made $3,000 profit because that card sold for a little under $8,000. And the last card I looked at was the 2019 Prism Silver Kyler Murray PSA 10. 
Um, the pop's a little bit higher, but still nowhere near like 2016 and 2017. I think the pop on this card is like, it's less than 200. It's a hundred something. Um, the peak, the peak sale during the preseason was at $5,000. Then it bottomed three months later, late, late, uh, December, Arizona was already knocked out of the playoffs. So people were just panic selling Kyler. That card went from forty nine fifty to nineteen thirty six, under two thousand dollars. Then it bottomed out even more a month later, to seventeen seventy five. You could have sold that card. You could have bought in in January, sold two months later, for two x. You could have doubled your money right there in two months by selling this card. So from what I'm seeing with these three examples is anywhere between early November to late December, that's like the perfect opportunity for a buy window, even f even for commodity cards. Like these are commodity cards. They're not necessarily the rarest of rare cards, uh, not counting the Lamar, but even in terms of commodity cards, there there are fluctuations that they're they're not just going to keep dropping there there will be a time when people are going to be a little bit nostalgic about the season and maybe they don't follow basketball and they don't follow all these other sports and they just you know this is their fix instead of fantasy football they dive they dive even deeper into cards and i just to even back this up a little bit more like ju just to even substantiate this even more i used um by the way all that all that data was uh uh, taken from from Card Ladder's website, so shout out to them. Um, I took a look at the uh, total sport index on Card Ladder's website of the whole football market, and it's in terms of the 2020 season. It basically it didn't it didn't uh, it didn't you know go take a downturn necessarily. It just kind of stayed flat. It stayed flat. It wasn't, but it stayed flat between October and December, and then it went up again so right now in terms of the the time period that we're in right now in late november early 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 uh december it's been flat for about the last month so i think that's very telling that maybe right now is it is not the worst time to buy something that you've been eyeing but jesse you came with more numbers on this episode than usual by the way i mean you're you got your you got your shit together man this is some some courtroom level stuff right here uh <laughs> I mean, Ethan, so he's talking mostly quarterbacks. I mean, is that kind of what you're targeting right now, or are there other players that you would be looking at? Yeah, I mean, the money's with the quarterbacks in, in football for sure. So, you know, if you do have the capital, if you do have that kind of financial bandwidth to target the quarterbacks, I absolutely would. Um, but there are obviously plays that you can make. And, you know, if you look at the, the timing of everything, right? It's towards the end of the year. People are doing shopping for Christmas presents, Hanukkah, all those things going on, right? Um, you know, they're spending on the holidays, travel. So a lot of this disposable income that people have are going towards other things. And then, you know, football season has gone along. You're usually 10, 12, 13 weeks in. There's some of that fatigue setting in. So people want a bit of a break from football, right? NBA is starting to heat up. MLB is kind of cooling off. So you know, a lot of people are looking at the allure of basketball at this time. So I think there are certainly plays for, I would look at guys like, you know, uh, let's say if you're looking at, you know, running backs, receivers, guys that you think can absolutely be top five elite kind of players, uh, not bad at time to buy at all, um, especially if they're short printed cards, you know, uh, higher end inserts, stuff like that. This is the time I think that you're going to get the best value for the higher end stuff. Even commodity cards too; those are fine. 
but again, if you're looking to maximize that ceiling, I think you would go, you know, short print and stuff. Um, I mean, again, even with quarterbacks like, you know, guys like Mahomes, right? You're seeing like 50, 60% drop in value of their cards for like high end stuff. You know, you're talking about, you know, color blast, stained glass, you know, gold stuff, whatever it might be, any of those cards. It's insane, you know, kabooms, whatever you want to look at. Um, so I think if you do have the capital, now is a perfect time to get in. Um, because again, you know, playoffs are not that far around the corner. You know, we're about a month and a half away. Um, you know, that builds momentum back up. So you're going to see prices tick up there, even if it's, you know, let's say 25, 30%, not quite uh, where we were at before. It's still, you know, profits to be had. And then you have the draft coming after that. That's really opportune timing to sell because there's so much hype around, you know, the combine, right? Wow. This guy ran X40. They did this three cone, whatever it might be. Could you imagine if they got paired with X quarterback or an X scenario, right? So all these narratives start to get drummed up and, you know, the inflation just goes bananas and then you'll start to see a little bit of dip and then summertime rolls around. You're starting to get, you know, camps rolling. It's going to be another selling opportunity. So I think that time, especially like right now, November through, you know, maybe first week in January is a perfect buying opportunity. Then you'll have a couple big sell windows you can take advantage of and then just rinse and repeat. I think we've already seen something like this last year, especially in terms of not, not all right. People get excited with the NFL draft. They get excited with free agency and okay. All right. The Cardinals signed JJ Watt. Arizona Cardinals are going to have the best defense that we've seen in the last five years. Kyler Murray is going to win three Super Bowls. Like people, all right. People are going to get excited over, over stuff like that. But I think what's what's even more interesting than a uh, hype for a team altogether is speculation of where a player may or may not go in the future. We already saw I, I, I've openly admitted this on a previous show, our very first interview with Rob at That's the Old Price on Instagram. I've I've admitted this myself. I I think I took like a hundred dollar profit on a Deshaun Watson card because randomly it went up. I think I bought it for three hundred bucks, went up to four fifty randomly. So maybe after some eBay fees and knocked it down to like a hundred dollar profit. We saw that card go up from three hundred dollars around the time that I bought it, which is probably around this time last year, to in the off season with all of the speculation going crazy of him going to another team. That card went up to like fifteen hundred dollars in the span of a few months. So. This, we, I don't mean to circle this back to Russ, but like, it, I mean, if there is speculation, if Pete Carroll is going to stay, like, how do you not see a very similar outcome happen for somebody like Russ this offseason? Yeah. And speaking of Deshaun, like, if we look at this most recent trade deadline, there was so much smoke around Deshaun being traded. And even in that small window of time, just a couple of weeks that these reports were coming out, his prices spiked. Right, even with the risk of all those civil lawsuits and everything going on, his prices did spike. Right, so that kind of hype and speculation can inflate cards unbelievable amounts. I agree, man. And the quarterbacks, as we've said on this show so many times, are king. But it's crazy to think that right now, you know, many people are getting booted from the fantasy playoffs again. We're watching, you know, the, the football season dwindle down a little bit here as the fate of teams is being decided all these other sports are rising or falling at the same time and it's crazy to think that right now is still a crazy good opportunity to get in on some of these options and you said it best Ethan because I've always thought this way and I know this is something Jesse's mentioned but maybe not in the same terms but rinse and repeat you can literally do this almost year over year in terms of a flip 
with a lot of these guys. I mean, look at Josh Allen. I know he's been mentioned on the show. Josh Allen was a non-favorable option for many people for some time. And then suddenly he was looked at like a top five quarterback option, top six guy going forward. And he's been good and he's been bad at different times this year. But it just goes to show that, and again, Russell Wilson's probably the best example of this. If the rest of his season is kind of up and down and there's question marks about this team and we get a little more of this fear going forward, he could be one of the best buys, which is funny because we open up the show circling back to an episode six weeks ago where we said he was great and that he didn't play well. Is that is he one of your favorite options right now? Yeah. I mean, Russ, uh, I think Mahomes is another great one. Guys like Josh Allen, even Lamar, you're starting to see his prices dip back down again. Definitely. Um, you know, Kyler's prices, surprisingly, in a, you know, a lot of different cards have gone up. Um, so I, I might, you know not be as inclined to target that kind of card for a flip if I'm looking at Kyler. Um, again, could be a better, you know, long-term investment. Sure, I'm not going to say don't do that. Um, but I would personally look at, you know, guys like that, right? Russ, even Mahomes, that little blip on the radar relative to the rest of his career. Any kind of opportunity where you can buy that dip to sell big, I'm doing it. Love it. Love it, man. Well, Jesse, thank you for all the hard work that you brought to the table with the data tonight, because I think that that really illuminated a lot of facts on what some people may or may not have believed about the current state of cards and purchasing and, and the dips that exist. And Ethan, uh, obviously, obviously, you know, always a great interview and a great addition to the show. And we want to bring you on more often. Ethan does a ton of card stuff uh, outside of this thing. And like I said, him and I do a show called Flip the Cash. I'll put the link to it. Follow Jesse on Twitter at planet underscore fatness. Definitely follow Ethan at Ethan Motts. Listen, all the questions that you were directing at Jesse, deflect them now and send them to Ethan. Ethan Ethan said he has a ton of free time. He said a pre-show, said he's never had more free time than he does right now. So definitely a great time to hit him up. So um, guys, I want to give a shout out to our show sponsor, by the way, before I forget and get yelled at by Matt Kelly via text message or whatever he's going to do. Uh, Underdog Fantasy. Uh, again, download the Underdog app today. Use the promo code UNDERWORLD and get $25 bonus cash for players who deposit for the first time. Thank you guys for coming on. Everybody, remember the show is every other week, so we'll be back in two weeks on Clear the Cash. <laughs>